Hey, podcast listeners, it's me, Rebecca Watson, uh, for another episode of Quizlet. And, you know, this is kind of a bonus episode. Normally, we do interviews with the upcoming panelists. And today's guest is not going to be in this month's show because she's too busy jet-setting elsewhere. One of these days, we're going to get her, though. And I happen to have her here, and I wanted you guys to hear from her. Uh, Katie Mack is an awesome uh, science communicator. You can find her on Twitter at AstroKatie. You probably already follow her. She is an assistant professor at North Carolina State uh, in physics, and she does a whole bunch of other stuff, and she's working on a book, and it's really exciting. And hey, Katie, thanks for being here. Hey, it's good to be here. So you specialize in dark matter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. What I- is dark matter? <laughs> no, no. Let, first, let's start. Like, okay. So, uh, you know, you're in astrophysics. Yes. What what makes you decide to focus uh, on that? I so on dark matter or astrophysics in general. Either. Let's talk about like how do you how did you get into the field in the first place? I kind of just want to understand everything in the universe, which is you know that's just. You can just decide to do that, right? So that's that's sort of my motivation. When I was a little kid, I was really interested in kind of how things work, and I was always taking things apart and putting them back together. And at some point, I discovered physics and, like, black holes and space-time and the Big Bang, and I was like, this is awesome, and I want to do this, and I want to study this forever. So that's sort of how I got into cosmology, which is my sort of broad subject area, which is the study of the whole universe from beginning to end, how it's changed over time, what it's made of, like how it works. So that's my sort of subject area. And dark matter is a really interesting problem to work on because it combines particle physics and cosmology. And it's this super important question about like what the universe really is made of. So I like working on that because it feels like there's there's a lot to discover and it's kind of a cool problem and a, there's lots of cool ways to approach it. So that's that's what I do. Yeah, it seems it, these days in sciences, um, and I don't know if as a scientist you have this perspective, but from my amateur perspective, uh, it, it seems like the world, you know, our scientific knowledge has grown to the point now where uh, you know, a thousand years ago, you can discover something important scientifically mm-hmm. on your own in yeah, your basement. Yeah. And <laughs> today, it seems like um, the, the mysteries are just getting more and more abstract. Yeah. But dark matter, you know, it, it, it's like one step uh, more relatable than like quantum physics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, dark matter is cool because it's so... We don't know what it is exactly, but we know that there's there's something that's making galaxies rotate too fast and that's that's kind of holding matter together in the universe in a way that we don't understand. And it seems to be like the most sort of consistent idea to explain it is that there's some extra kind of matter, so something that has gravity, um, that's probably some kind of new particle. And it just, it doesn't interact with light, so we can't see it. So we call it dark matter, not because it's dark, but because it's just invisible. Yeah. And so it seems like most of the matter in the universe, most of the stuff in the universe that has gravity, has mass, is this weird stuff, this weird dark matter. And so if you picture like a galaxy, you picture it as like this sort of disk of stars with spiral arms and stuff. And that's just like a tiny part of this much larger structure that's kind of you can imagine it as this sort of blob of invisible 
stuff, and the galaxy is kind of embedded in the center of that. Um, but the actual extent of the the whole thing is much bigger, and it's it's this invisible dark matter that's kind of holding that galaxy together. Does <clears throat> I have a stupid question? Does <laughs> when when we look at that galaxy and we picture that in our head, you know, yeah. we see all these spots of light. Mm. Is every dark spot is that dark matter, or is there also empty space? No, so so we can't see the. The, like, the dark matter doesn't show up at all. It's totally invisible as far as we can tell. Um, so there is, like, when you look at the galaxy, you see, like, splotches, you see dark, uh, sort of threads. Those are dust, usually. Um, and you see, like, these bits of star, star formation and stuff. And, um, and you just have to imagine that that's, like, embedded in this kind of clump of something invisible that's kind of holding it together. Um, they're usually for a galaxy, the dark matter is kind of like a spherical blob and it's more concentrated in the center and less concentrated as you go farther out, but you just can't see it. And the only way that we know it's there is that we can see the way that, that light distorts around it, not because it's interacting with the dark matter, but because dark matter, like every ma- kind of matter bends the space and then light moves sort of curved through that bent space. Right. And this comes back to Einstein's relativity, which is just this idea that anytime you have a massive object, it kind of bends the space around it, kind of pulls it in. And so if a light beam is trying to pass right by it, it'll be kind of deflected, kind of diverted by that bent space in the same way that like light traveling through a fiber optic cable will follow the curve of that cable. You have a kind of similar thing with space. So if space is bent, then the light gets bent. And so you can see that there's these distortions that are just way bigger than what you would expect for the matter you can see. And so that's one way that we know about dark matter being there. And then other things like, like if you tried to calculate how to get all the matter together to make a galaxy in the early universe, there's like not enough gravity unless there's extra stuff pulling things together that, that, you know, can kind of pull things in, in the early universe. So all sorts of things like that give us this kind of indirect evidence that there's extra matter. It's got gravity it's pulling things in. It collects, you know, at the same places that the matter we can see is there, but uh, we just don't know what it is. So we're trying to figure that out. So it it won't interact with light, but what about like radio waves? No, I mean any kind of light. So radio waves are another kind of light, another kind of electromagnetic wave. It just doesn't seem to do electromagnetism, <laughs> right. um, and that's that's actually really important because if it doesn't do electromagnetism, then it doesn't emit light, it doesn't absorb light, it doesn't like reflect light, but also it means you can't touch it. You couldn't like That was my next question. Like yeah, yeah, if we had like some dark matter here, we couldn't pick it up. Yeah, yeah, because when you touch something, what you're doing is your the like electrons in your hand are pushing against the electrons in the other object. It's just it's electromagnetism that allows you to touch things. It allows things Whoa. to feel solid. Yeah. And so if you have a particle that doesn't do electromagnetism, then it won't repel if you try and touch it, your hand will just pass right through it. It's so crazy to imagine like something that's invisible mm-hmm. and you can't touch it, mm-hmm. but it's there. Yeah, and it has this gravity, you know, so like it's it's most of the gravity, most of the matter in the universe, like something like 80 to 85% of the matter in the universe is this invisible dark matter. And it's probably like flowing through this room right now. Creepy. And we just don't notice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's super weird. And, you know, does this also tie in with how weird gravity is? Because, like, what is gravity that it can interact with this weird thing? 
Yeah, I mean, we don't we don't have a full understanding of gravity, and there's there have been suggestions that maybe what we interpret dark as dark matter is actually just some kind of like problem with gravity. Like gravity is just acting differently than we expected, and and for for an individual galaxy, it's it's easy enough to like tweak gravity uh, in the theory and make it like hold together more strongly and then maybe you know you can you can sort that out for an individual galaxy without dark matter but on the larger scales when you actually like put in everything we know about cosmology everything we know about like when big groups of galaxies come together um what what happened in the early universe when the first matter came together to try and form the first structures like it it doesn't work just tweaking gravity there's been no there's been no theory that works for to explain all of that cosmological stuff just by changing gravity. So, I mean, our tests of gravity have been like frustratingly uh <laughs> frustratingly good in the sense that like so Einstein wrote down this theory of gravity, general relativity in like 1915 and we have been throwing everything we can find at it to try to figure out like where it breaks down, like where it could go wrong and like Every single test it passes. Like, if we, so we do these incredibly, uh, precise tests of gravity on, like, for, at tiny, tiny scales where we have little microscopic things and we try and test, like, how the gravity works between tiny little objects, passes every test for that. We have tests where we look at, um, like, the distance to the moon and how that's changing over time. And we look at like the orbit of Mercury and like orbits of, of other objects. We look at stars orbiting each other and like every single time the test passes, like it just looks like general relativity and it can't fully be general relativity. Cause at some point like quantum mechanics has to come in. There has to be some other theory that unites all these different ideas. Like at some point it has to break down, but we just haven't seen that yet. And so you know, at some point, like, there has to be a change. But so far, gravity just works, and everything that has mass seems to interact with gravity in exactly the same way. And so the, if, if dark matter is some new particle, as long as it has mass, it can do all the things with gravity that regular matter can. It just, we for whatever reason, if it is this new particle, we just can't see it. This is one of the things that I find really interesting about science uh, as it's performed and this idea that, you know, when there's some new test that's done that just confirms more mm-hmm. of Einstein's theories, um, the general public is like, cool, he did it. Like, great, good success, science. <laughs> but the scientists doing it is like, well, the more interesting results. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be, yeah, it would be great if we figured out, like, where it breaks down. Because it has to, like, at some point, yeah. it has to break down. Because the, basically the problem is that, that Einstein's relativity does not work with with quantum mechanics. Right. So quantum mechanics is the physics of like microscopic particles. You know, so like how electrons interact with each other, how particles can like tunnel through solid walls. Like this is quantum mechanics, right? Uncertainty principle, uh, light being a wave and a particle at the same time and going through two slits at once, like all that stuff. Um, and the rules of quantum mechanics and the rules of relativity just do not mesh. Like yeah. you can't, those, those don't work well together. And so there's gotta be some kind of like overarching theory that unites them, that like some kind of quantum gravity idea that, that makes it all fit into one bigger picture. And we just, we have no idea. Like, I mean, maybe string theory will do it in some way. And that's what string theory is all about is trying to put this stuff together. But at the moment, we just, we don't have 
a theory that says, okay, this is how these two things fit. But we know at some point it has to, there has to be something. Yeah. And so gravity, general relativity can't be the whole story. Um, but we, we just, we can't figure out where it is that it breaks down. As soon as we find the anomaly, you know, as soon as we find the place where it's like, this is not consistent with general relativity, then we'll know where to go as theorists. I'm a theorist yeah. and like, I, all I need is like, you know, you got to find where the problem is and right. then that lets you... You just need a crack. Theory. Yeah, you just you need, need like one crack. little crack, right? Yeah. And there's there's been, like, there was a recent uh, result where somebody was looking at gravitational waves where you have black holes spiraling in and colliding with each other and then we can pick up the vibrations of space as that happens. Um, there's this, There's been this, like, hint of maybe something weird happened in one of those collisions that could be a sign that gravity is breaking down in that extreme environment. Like, yeah. it has to be some kind of extreme environment where we'd see the breakdown. But that's, like, still a very preliminary thing, and we don't know if it's going to hold up or not. So... We don't, yeah, we just don't know. We just, we need to find that crack. Yeah. And so that's why we keep doing these more and more experiments, you know, um, same thing with particle physics. We have these, you know, colliders and we get them to higher and higher energies and we're colliding particles together to try to see, like, if we get to high enough energy, can we create a new particle that'll show us, like, where particle physics should go next, you know, um, how that all fits together. And at the moment, you know, it's kind of it's kind of frustrating because gravity keeps getting confirmed. General relativity seems to be like right in every way we've tested. And then also um, the standard model of particle physics, which was developed in like the 60s and 70s. We haven't found the crack in that either. Rock solid. Yeah, yeah. that's just like every time we found the Higgs boson that was predicted by the standard model. Right. Um and Which is another like, case where yeah. the general public was like, yay, and scientists were like, Ugh. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a great, like, confirmation, you know, we were like, yay, Higgs boson, but right. we're also like, but what if we don't find anything else? Right. And we haven't found <laughs> where do we anything go now? else yet. And yeah. people talk about this within particle physics. People talk about this as, like, the nightmare scenario right. that, that the Large Hadron Collider finds the Higgs boson and absolutely nothing else. Right. And like that, we're looking at it and we're like, well, I, I, what, where, where do we go from here? Like it's turning into a roller skating rink or something, you know, that's, that's, that's well, it. I mean, people, you had your about, day. Yeah. Large <laughs> well, I mean, we're, we're going to, you know, we're going to higher energies. We're like, people are going to, there's talk about it. International linear collider, like all these like next step, higher energy things. But like we need that crack, you know. Yeah. We need to find where, like, where the anomaly is. And every once in a while, there will be some kind of weird thing that comes up. There was a, a, a news story recently where some neutrino experiments found like this weird result that maybe could indicate another kind of neutrino, but it's sort of like it's not confirmed yet, and we right. don't know how that fits together. So yeah, it's it's a it's a mystery. We have to just keep keep slamming things together and like <laughs> see, hoping that something new comes out. Have you tried kittens? <laughs> No. High speed kitten collisions. No. It could do something. <laughs> Here's the part of uh, the interview where I put you on the spot with okay. ra random headlines I read and okay. didn't get around to reading right. the articles. Sure, sure. Maybe black holes don't exist. Oh, so I don't. Yeah, so everyone's. <laughs> I mean, everyone's. Well, there's a headline about maybe X doesn't exist. Where right. X is like any like super confirmed idea in physics. Yeah. Um. So black holes sometimes, sometimes like there are lots of different weird ways to like get around the idea of black holes. Um. Sometimes there's like 
strange uh, ideas about you could have some kind of solid object that doesn't quite collapse into a black hole. And then the most recent one is this idea of a fuzzball. So it's called a fuzzball. I like it. And it's, it's a, it's a black hole where they're like, as soon as you pass the event horizon, which is like the point of no return for a black hole. Yeah. We all saw um, the movie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) just see like no one saw that. (laughs) It's not good. No. Um, so as soon as you pass that, like some kind of weird quantum thing happens and you end up with in this like, sort of strange, like, uncertainty principle ruled space where, like, everything is just confusing and weird. Um, oh, yeah. I think, like, it was like, maybe they don't exist. Maybe they're wormholes or something. Yeah, I mean, wormholes are different. <laughs> like, wormholes... Uh, what, a, what a great interviewer. I'm just going to tell you things that I sort of remember reading and maybe got wrong. <laughs> well, I mean, there's so much out there that, like, the, the reporting um, about cosmology and physics so often is just like you know there'll be some paper and the paper is like suggesting some kind of speculative new model or something and it's like one person was like how about this and the news reporters like sometimes don't know where that person fits into the into like the the community the big picture like where that idea comes from and so every once in a while you'll get this story where like the you know, the cosmologists are all like, oh, my God. We live you know? in a simulation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah or, or like, yeah, there was one a while ago that was saying, like, maybe galaxies don't have dark matter, but they have this, like, giant wormhole at the center. And we're oh, like, right. no, probably not. Well, no. so that was another question I had. Like, are there any serious researchers who are looking at possible hypotheses for a world without dark matter? Um, there are... A universe without dark. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Pardon my... <laughs> yeah. So there are a couple of people who write a lot of papers about, like, changes to gravity that that would um, mimic the effects of dark matter in galaxies. And I'll be careful about how I put this. Um, so... Don't use the word crackpot. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not, could- it's not like that. But it's like... <laughs> Like, there are lots of things you can do with changes to gravity that work really well for galaxies. And there are a lot of people who who have this sort of cottage industry of, like, tweaking gravity to make galaxies work better in one way or another. And, you know, and then they say, look, you can can answer this question about galaxies. There's this weird relationship that it's harder to explain with, uh, you know, our usual picture of dark matter plus regular matter. But with this parameter, we can solve it, and that's great. And But then, like, once you're outside galaxies, right. once you look at, like, cosmology, you know, um, the distribution of galaxies in the universe, the growth of structures over time, like, all of that stuff, they don't – there's no modified gravity theory that works for that. Right. And so you see, all, you see a lot of these papers that get a huge amount of press saying, like, maybe dark matter is not real. Look, I made this galaxy. The, like, this right. galaxy rotation works perfectly well. It's like, yeah, but you can't do cosmology with that. And so we have all this data about the whole universe, about, like, we can look at we can look at the, the light from the Big Bang, right? We, we see the afterglow of, like, the time when the whole universe was, like, a fireball glowing with heat. And we can look at that light and study like the features of that light and how it's different in different parts of the sky and like the fluctuations and we can map out what the universe looked like 130,000 years after the beginning, like the very beginning. And we can use that to say like, Oh, here's how much regular matter there was. Here's how much dark matter there was. And it's perfectly consistent 
with what we see on, in terms of galaxy clusters, in terms of gravitational lensing, this bending of light, um, the measurements of how much gra- galaxy, how much dark matter there is in galaxies, all of that, all of that fits together. If there's dark matter and regular matter, and then on the scales of galaxies, like there are some weird relationships that we don't quite understand yet, though they probably have something to do with gas is weird, you know, and then like stuff yeah. happens, right? Um, and so with modified gravity, you can you can fix that stuff on the scales of galaxies where probably gas is weird and f- things happen, but you can say nothing at all about the entire rest of the universe. Right. And so, you know, like it's interesting to fi- to like look at these relationships with galaxies and these rotation curves and all of that stuff like that's interesting, but it's not a serious challenge to the idea that dark matter exists. It sounds a lot like it reminds me of, you know, ancient fights over uh, the Earth revolving around the sun or vice versa, where you can come up with a theory wherein the sun goes around the Earth. But once you start adding in the planets, it, the I've, I've always enjoyed reading about this, like the various explanations that they try mm-hmm. to come up with. Like, well, first they zoom over here, then they take <laughs> like a left turn and go over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, extremely complicated. Yeah. But as soon as you place the sun at the center, suddenly yeah. it's elegant and yeah, works. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And and it's, you know, there's like, if you talk to people who have these alternative ideas, they'll say, well, you know, we just, we haven't got taken the theory that far yet. There's more and work needs to be done. You know, there aren't as many people working on those alternative ideas as there are on dark matter. And that's, that's fair. But, you know, also like when you take just the sum of the evidence and everything fitting together, like dark matter plus regular matter, it all works. There's some weird stuff at, uh, around galaxies that probably has some explanation. That's just like stuff's complicated. Yeah. You know, but like, everything fits together in one picture. So, you know, I mean, I think that I think it's it's people should always be looking at alternative ideas because you have to try and find those cracks, right? Right. Um but uh but until you have like a really consistent theory that does that fits the data as well as the sort of standard theory, like you, you really shouldn't be pitching it as like, oh, we've killed dark matter. Like yeah. no, you haven't. <laughs> I have another dumb question. Okay. What's antimatter? Ah, so antimatter is, is a kind of matter that has like the opposite charge from regular matter. So like, so every particle of regular matter, there'll be like an antimatter analog. Mm-hmm. So like the electron is a particle that it's a fundamental particle that has the a, a negative charge. So its antimatter particle is called a positron and it's got like the same mass, but like a different, the opposite charge. So it's a positive. It's so electron is minus one, positron is plus one. If you take an electron and a positron and you put them together, they will annihilate with each other and create gamma rays. Um, and so there, so for other particles, you get a sim- similar kind of thing. And gamma rays, of course, m- made the Hulk. Right. Yeah. Yes. Just, yeah. Yeah. Just in case people it's didn't important. know what yeah. gamma rays were. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, but like, yeah. So antimatter, it, you, it can be produced in sort of various kind of particle interactions. Um, there's way less of it in the universe than there is regular matter. And we don't know why that is. So, so there, there, there is this idea about the early universe that in the very beginning, uh, you know, regular matter and antimatter should have been produced at the same amount. Like there should have been the same amount of both because phys- the physics of them are kind of just mirror images. Like they look, right. they look like they should work the same way. 
somehow at some point, like there became the same imbalance where there was re- more regular matter than antimatter. Because if there wasn't, then every time a regular matter and antimatter particle would meet each other, they would turn into photons, and then you just have the whole universe would just be like radiation. Right. Um, so there has there had to be some point where there was a little bit more regular matter, and that tipped the balance, and so all the antimatter got annihilated away, and now we just get little bits of antimatter here and there when there's like some kind of high energy event in space or whatever. So there is antimatter out there. It's not that exotic. We don't know exactly where it comes from, but like it's useful sometimes. Like we see, uh, we can see, um, various high energy things happening in space because we can see that, you know, an antima- antimatter was being produced that's been annihilating with something else and we know the energy of where that happens and so we can see signals from that. And it's also used in like medical applications and stuff, like, like, PET scans are positron, like they involve positrons. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so like there's... There I are never various, even thought of that. Yeah, it's so cool. there, there are things we can do with antimatter. Um, and of course, they're used all sorts of things in po- particle experiments. But yeah. like we, it's not... Um, yeah, it's not that exotic, really, in and the yet, sense like, that we work with it. it seems like such a science fiction yeah, concept yeah. that, you yeah. know... It, yeah. it, it's kind of awesome to imagine like, oh, yeah, yeah I got yeah. a PET scan and yeah. I dealt with antimatter. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the science fiction concept is is that if you can take a whole bunch of positrons and a whole bunch of electrons and collide them together, you can make a massive amount of energy. Because right. when that collision happens, when the annihilation happens, it converts all of the energy, like all of the mass of those particles into pure energy. Right. So it's like massively efficient. Um, and if you could use that as like propulsion, that would be like the ideal energy source. Right. right? And so this is like Star Trek uses antimatter to run their engines and stuff, right? Right. The problem is it's really hard to contain antimatter because if you build any kind of container for it, that container is made of regular matter. Right. Now it's gone. Yeah. (laughs) And you have a big explosion. Right. So, so like, and it's, and you can't like, ideally you could use like magnetic fields to somehow contain it, but like, it's very hard to build a magnetic field in such a way that there's not like an opening somewhere where everything leaks out, you know? So like, People talk about like a magnetic bottle, but like there's like just because of the sort of geometry of these things, you can't really build a totally contained one, except maybe like you can make like a sort of ring shape. And people do this with fusion, like tokamaks are this kind of ring shaped plasma containment thing with magnetic fields. But like those are highly unstable usually. (laughs) It's just very, very hard to contain antimatter to, to do it to do anything useful with it. Yeah. Um, but it's totally out there and it's like interacting with regular matter all the time. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's not as exotic as it sounds. Cause I guess in science fiction and stuff, it's always being used for something yeah, and, and, yeah. or it's, or it's, or people imagine it as being like, Oh, there's like the mirror universe made of right. antimatter. And <laughs> Where so, everybody uh, gets a goatee. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, <laughs> An right. antimatter goatee. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but like in physics, it's just like, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff like that in physics where, in sci-fi, it's like this really big, weird thing. But for us, it's like, oh yeah, like dark, like uh, black holes. Yeah, like black holes in science fiction are like scary, you know, yeah. deadly things. And for us, it's like, yeah, we use those as like signposts in the universe. Because <laughs> <Right. laughs> like, if you have a supermassive black hole at the center of a galaxy, which like virtually every galaxy we know about has right. a supermassive black hole in the center, like millions of times the mass of the sun. That's just the thing. Yeah. Like we're just like, Oh yeah, that's normal. It's normal. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so like our galaxy, that's just Monday. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> our galaxy has a 4 million 
solar mass black hole at the center. We right. call it Sagittarius A star. We watch the stars go around it. Like, yeah. you know, it's just there. It's cool. <laughs> Whatever. Um, so there's black holes, like, everywhere. And when when these black holes are, like, pulling a lot of matter in, that creates this, like, really bright, glowing whirlpool of matter that that produces so much light we can see these like billions of light years away is that the occlusion it's accretion 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 disk yeah yeah Yeah, and then there are like jets of radiation and so we see these things called quasars which are just supermassive black holes that are pulling in a whole lot of matter and lighting up and we use these and they're like the brightest things we have to like study the universe so people think of black holes as like these dark things that are just pulling in everything and destroying stuff and we just use them as like oh yeah quasars we can map out you know, the yeah. expansion of the universe or whatever and like all this stuff that's that's kind of just day to day stuff for us. Yeah. But like if you stop and think about like the universe is expanding, like what? <laughs> like, you know, but that's you know, we just like, oh yeah, we measured the Hubble parameter, you know, seventy two kilometers per second per megaparsec. Like we just like, right. oh yeah, that's the thing. Right. <laughs> you know, um but yeah, the universe is expanding. The galaxies are getting farther apart from each other and, and if you give it long enough time then like all the galaxies are going to be so far apart, we won't be able to see other galaxies. And that's like after the Andromeda galaxy collides with ours, which is totally a thing that's going to happen. Like all this stuff, you, you know, we're just like, oh, yeah, that's that's just, yeah, whatever. You know, yeah. we're just going to calculate something now. <laughs> but like when you actually talk about it, it's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. And so and that leads us into like what you're writing about right now. Yeah, Your yeah, next yeah. book is all about like these horrific scenarios, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. So I'm writing this book about the end of the universe and, um, and it's just about all the different ways the universe might end and what that would look like and how we're trying to figure out what will happen. Um, and like what, how we're studying this question as, as physicists and it's so much fun <laughs> to write about. Yeah, that's why I think you're a great physicist and a weird person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I who know, I love. Just, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's I don't know why I like it so much, but like, you know, I'm writing about so I'm writing about several different possibilities for how the universe will end. Um you know, sort of different, some of them more likely than others. So like I have a chapter about the big crunch, which is this idea that the expansion of the universe will like reverse and come back, which is very unlikely. Like that's almost ruled out by the current data in the sense that like, based on what we can see, it's probably not going to happen, but we can't really say for sure because various, we just don't know for sure why the universe is expanding. So maybe it'll turn around. Um, and, uh, and then there's this idea that the universe just gets so big, everything gets really isolated and then everything kind of, fades out and dies and that's the heat death and then there's if you get a little bit more extreme with the expansion you get the universe rips itself apart and that's called the big rip and that's really cool and then there's one called the called vacuum decay where basically you get this like bubble of quantum death that like forms in one point of the universe and then expands out to engulf everything and destroys the whole universe i don't think i have to say this because i think our <laughs> listeners can hear it in your voice but katie has the biggest grin on her face right now it's just such cool stuff i, don't I think know. you might be a psychopath <laughs> i mean like it's good like it's you know the the weird thing about it, it's like super abstract in the sense that like you know, you look out the window, you don't see like the universe ripping itself apart, right? Like it's, this is not, yeah. I mean, this is not part of our daily life, Yeah. but based on what we understand of the universe, like this is stuff that could totally happen. And so it's, you get this weird, like expansive mindset of like, and of like what, like what, 
is happening on these massive scales of time and space. And at the, and in one sense, it's totally abstract, doesn't matter, has nothing to do with us. But in the other sense, it's like, you know, we know our universe had a beginning. It's gonna have an end. There's like no serious physics theory I know of that, that predicts that it doesn't have an end. So like, it's gonna end, which is like, okay, the universe is going to come to an end. That means whatever we do as life forms at some point is not going to matter at all. Like, we have no legacy. Which is, on the one hand, could be incredibly depressing. Yeah. Nothing I do matters. But on the other (laughs) hand, did you have a bad day at work? Well, guess what? Yeah, the universe is going to end. Doesn't matter. Like, are you... like? You, I happen to know, have to write a talk yeah, <laughs> in yeah. the next, like, two hours. Uh, doesn't matter, right, Katie. Yeah, the universe is going to come to an end. Yeah. Like, we're all going to die. Yeah, whether you yeah. give that talk or not. Yeah, yeah. You could just stand on stage and fart for five minutes. <laughs> the universe is going to end, and it won't matter. That's true. Anymore. That's true. At some point, it will not matter to anyone, because we'll all be dead. The universe will have, like, ceased to exist. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Happy Friday, everybody. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know, but like, yeah, there's something about these huge, like, massive, like, destructive forces that it's sort of cathartic to think about because it doesn't have, you know, it's not going to hurt anybody I love and care about, but it will destroy the whole universe. Yeah. You know, and it's kind of like, that's kind of, that's, that's kind of a fun idea. It's where you we know? keep all our stuff. Yeah. So yeah. Kinda... <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, and, and some such weird things can happen. Like, with, if the big crunch happened, like, the galaxies will collide and like the stars would catch on fire. (laughs) Wait, how does a star catch up? Yeah. Well, you get basically the, the outer layers of the star start to undergo thermonuclear explosions all around the surface. And then the star like rips itself apart. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And like, by the time the stars are catching on fire, like planets are gone. Yeah. You're (laughs) fucked. (laughs) It's real bad. It's real bad. Okay, yeah. when when do you think your book is going to come out? Uh, so it's scheduled to be published in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, it's going to be published by Scribner, which is an imprint of Simon and Schuster. Um, and yeah, sometime in 2020. Do you have a title? Exactly. The title, uh, the working title, is "The End of Everything." I like it. Yeah. Catchy. Yeah, yeah. It's it's concise. It, 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 it really yeah. covers the what whole, it says yeah. on the tin. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's really, the end of everything. Like everything. Everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, until then, uh, where can people find you? Uh, the best place to find me is usually on Twitter. So I'm, uh, at Astro Katie on Twitter. Um, I'm also on Facebook at facebook.com slash Astro Katie. Um, I'm on Instagram as Academic Nomad because Astro Katie was taken, uh, Ugh. which is a bummer. Yeah. Um, but, uh, mostly, mostly it's Twitter. Um, and my website is astrokady.com and I've got some links to stuff I've written there, uh, some video things. Um, so yeah, check it out. Awesome. Uh, well, we are going to get you on Quizertron one of these days. Okay, one of these days Good. you're going to be in town. Yes. At the right time. I live in America now. So you do. So that totally improves possible. the chances. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and for those of you listening, uh, the next show is, of course, July 5th at Piano Fight in San Francisco. Uh, you can find tickets. They're now available. Go to quizotron.com and you can find the link there. Uh, Katie, thank you so much. Thanks. It's really fun.